if you go to you know a online course or university you know the assumption it's made for people who have a stable life in the sense that they're housed I need dollar, dollar. So we wanted to actually create a model for people who are not in stable situations, but still allow them to be part of a professional class and not just be relegated to being homeless. That's digital marketer Adam Motiwala. And this is Sounds from the Street, a podcast about homelessness and life on the margins. I'm your host, Adam Campy. Born and raised in Los Angeles, Adam Motiwala now lives in Washington, D.C., where he works at Fifth Tribe, a boutique digital marketing firm. Prior to this, he was on course to become an accountant. But lucky for the world, he took a long international detour. Adam volunteered in Honduras, worked with Oxfam on climate change adaptation in Italy, and from there took a job with the UN's World Food Program doing disaster relief in Pakistan. For over a year, as part of the newly formed Street Sense Media Center, He's been teaching homeless and formerly homeless men and women about digital marketing, a vital 21st century skill. Adam's ambitious vision to help a marginalized population earn extra income became a reality because of his morning commute. Taking the metro to work every day, I met Ibn Hips, who's a vendor at Street Sense, and he's been a vendor for a long time. And I always saw him at McPherson Square Metro. And I'd see him over and over consistently. And Ibn Hips, is, he dresses really well. Like, he's pretty dapper. So I just started talking to him. And then he's like, hey, I actually wrote an article in here. So I started reading it. And so I was like, oh, this person can write. And in digital marketing, we would say that content marketing is the largest part of it. So content is king. And even though people want to you know, disagree with that, it's content that is the future of marketing. It's currently what marketing is, it's the future of marketing. And content is text, audio, video, infographics, blogs, commercials, people talking about it. So that's that's what sells a brand. And now if you look at brands in terms of how they've transferred is before they were, people would tell you what a brand is and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to think about buying it. But now it's more like you want to hear what your peers are talking about a brand. And a lot of that is that's content. That's content being generated. Brand marketing requires content. So then I was like, he can write. So we had we had a client then that, that we were basically writing all of their, their marketing material. It was a residential company, so they were targeting the, the mom blogs to go after that audience to, to, to sway sort of if they were the decision maker or if their husbands or their partners were the decision makers to sway them. So we were writing content that would go into those blogs. So I asked Ibn if he could write a blog for, for this and just see what happens. So I was like, let, let me just try it. And so I met with him on Saturdays at McDonald's uh, and we would sit there and, you know, we would work on this blog. So I told him, like, you know, how to do research and he caught on fairly quickly. Then we wrote an outline and it was much more complicated because he's homeless. So, like, we would write things uh, on paper because he didn't have a computer and then he, his bag got stolen or he got beaten up one time. His things got stolen a couple of times. So then we would lose all of his work. So then I started taking pictures of it. So we took pictures of it. So this way we had something to go off of. And then I was like, hey, you just need to start typing. Because he was afraid to type. Um, so I was like, you just got to type on this and we'll just take time. The process took a while, but I would say after two to three months, he wrote an article, which is a little longer, but it was also an experiment at that point. There's a lot of complications in the first iteration of anything, things that you didn't foresee happening. So we wrote the blog and it got published for that company. And then I paid him 
or his time. So then I was like, okay, so there's a potential here. But then I went to Street Sense. I met Brian Karom and Eric. He's the editor-in-chief uh, of Street Sense. And Brian Karom, who's an ED, we found this fund called the DC Social Innovation Project. So they give out $5,000 grants to local DC projects that are working in the social sector. So they're working to alleviate poverty in some shape or form. So we actually applied for the grant and we got it. So me and Eric actually went and we pitched the project and we built like a model. And then so we got the grant. So with the grant, we're like, okay, we're gonna do a class now. Besides teaching one person at a time, I was like, why don't we teach four or five? Which I think was a little ambitious, but we, we went for it. And that was a year ago, so it's been a year. And what we did with the money was we paid the students $25 a class. So the whole idea was like, can someone who's quote unquote homeless be a professional? Because most people will say no. And they'll be like, oh, they're homeless. Homeless people are homeless. There's a stigma. There's a label attached to them. So basically that attachment of that label and that stigma. So one was like, is this stigma real? Can we actually counter it? The second is, can these people be professionals? So the whole idea of the classes to pay them is to be like, you're a professional now. So it's giving them that same self-worth and that dignity that, that they deserve. That, hey, you're actually part of the professional working class and you can be. And that's why you're getting paid. And that's why there's also an expectation of you to perform like a professional. We're going to work on actual client projects. There's a deliverable and there's a fee associated to your time. So that's sort of the idea of the compensation model came from. So the money, uh, just to clarify, came from the pot from the DC Social Innovation Fund. Yeah. Okay. So we were able to get money from them and also from the GW NAP Fellowship, which is like, I think another $5,000. So one of our volunteers, Samantha, she was a student at GW and she she went and she pitched this idea to GW that this fellowship and we got this grant. And she was awesome. She really believed in the project. Then she graduated, so now she, she went to work in Baltimore. And we also did an Indiegogo campaign. We got like almost $2,500 in fundraising that way from a lot of like generous donors online and you know, want to thank them. So we used that money to train the vendors on digital marketing to pay for them to be there and also next we're probably going to buy some equipment we just haven't figured that out yet so in total uh, between the indiegogo campaign the nap fellowship and the dc social innovation fund yeah in total you've garnered it's like 10 grand 10 grand yeah that's amazing yeah i mean we need a lot more i mean i know that's like a pittance in compared to a sustainable grant that could maybe you know make a long-term difference you know i mean the fact that you're doing this on the side of, yeah. of a regular job and have another life. So we've gone through a couple of iterations of the class. So the class has been going on for about a year. Yeah, It's gone through some growing pains. You kind of have a better handle on the model. Yeah, Though I'm sure there's still things being ironed out or things you wish you could do that you can't do just based on limitations. But what happens in like, like a typical class? So like in a typical day, you know, these students get together and before what we were doing was I was just giving them a like a marketing one-on-one -on -one overview. Like this is a persona, this is a brand, this is a call to action. And then what we did was we actually had client projects from different clients that I've worked with, such as like Uma Health Clinic, which is a, a medical center in LA. There's a Colmore Clinic, which is another health center in Falls Church. And we had this blogger, solar blogger in DC who needed some people to help create content for him. So we had three client projects. So it was like, we had our lecture, then we had like capstone projects, I guess, where it's like client-based, like real world examples so they could build portfolios. And then the next thing was to get a certification. So we did the first thing where it was like, hey, this is marketing 101, this is what we do. And that's sort of to see if people are interested and if, and if they can even like, let's say, they care to understand the, the concept. Then what we did was like, 
this is a project. So this week we're going to do brainstorming. So for one week, it's like, this is the prompt. This is the problem. So for like Oma Health Clinic, they wanted to raise $10,000 online and they do it in a week span. So we had to create five emails. So one week is like identifying their donors. The next week is identifying things that their donors would care about. Then we created outlines. So one week is like, let's just create outlines. Then we split up the team. You're going to do this email. This person's going to do that email. So then they filled in the content and I edited it. Then we sent it off. Are they going to provide us? We have five students right now. So there's Reggie, who's like, um, he's 30, he's 30 years old. He's very smart. Yeah, are they going to provide us with a list or, or, or is this something they're trying to put on their um, listserv? He understands the digital space. Um, he understands marketing. He understands research. And we have like Ken, who's, you know, he's like the senior in the class. He's like the wise one. Demographically speaking, who are they? So we know wh who, we're, who we're talking to. Um, and so even to me, he offers a lot of mentorship and he's had a couple of businesses himself when he was in his, I think, 20s and 30s. So he sort of, you know, keeps the class in, in focus. We're going to market to people who's got one common denominator and that being, that being having an affiliation with Uma. Because then you have Sasha, who's a young mother who's sort of just ferocious, uh, you know, in, in, in the sense that she's not going to, you know, she's going to succeed and she's going to find any opportunity or anyone who's going to help her succeed, she's going to attach onto that. And she keeps everyone in the class synchronized and, and in shape. And then we have um, her sister, Tony, who's younger, who's basically still finding herself. You know, she's like in her 20s. And she's also just looking for opportunities where she can get a job, you know. And she has skills and she knows she's employable. She almost graduated college. She had like three credits left or three classes left, but that's when her family lost housing and she became, she couldn't afford it anymore. So she basically, you know, is three classes away from graduating and she's a theater major. So she can't just take these courses online. So she's now looking for other ways of, you know, saying that she has a certification or that she has some sort of professional credibility. So this class is one way of doing that. So like each week we're just breaking a larger problem and making it smaller. And now what we're doing is a certification by HubSpot, which is like a, a large marketing organization. And they offer this free inbound marketing certification. So that's what we're doing now. And that's our goal for the Q1 of this year. So they come into a class every week. They're supposed to do one lecture by themselves. So then we discuss it when they come in and they're supposed to do one in class and then write about it. So like write a blog. So this way they are also creating marketing content to build to their portfolio. So by the end of the class, they have a certification, they have client experience, and they have marketing content that shows that they're an expert in this field. So therefore their portfolio is hopefully, this is a assumption, but it's, it's employable at that point where they can start getting jobs on their own without me facilitating anything. So their portfolio can stand on its own. So that's what we'll do next. So some of the surprises are they're really creative. So like the group of people we've had, we've had other students who've come and gone, you know, one just, um, he just wasn't in the right mental state and he would sort of just like shut down in the middle of class and not do the work. And then the other students wouldn't find that fair. So they're like, Hey, we're doing this client work because they would share the profits equally. So this created a challenge because if one of the students just didn't want to feel like working. So then we actually had to leave the class. So that's like, it's hard to do that because, you know, these people are in need. So you had to pull so-and-so aside and say, look, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't come back. Yeah, but it's hard because these people are in need. 
So that makes it more hard, but then, then the integrity of the class would fall apart and then the whole structure would fall apart. So, so those are the challenges. And, and, you know, like, so Ken, who's actually, he's a great writer and he just, he gets it. You actually, I don't have to teach him anything. He gets it. But he was living at DCA for majority of the class of last year. For those who don't live in the area, the, the national airport. Yeah. So at the airport, you know, the, and he basically lived in the terminal. So if you've ever been, you know, when you go to the airport, there's always an announcement, um, you're sleeping on chairs. So his sleep sucked. I mean, his his sleep quality was not enough to have him be productive. So he would just be tired and he wouldn't have the ability to focus or concentrate. And it would just, co- you know, it delayed things. You know, you're dealing with with these types of issues that like I take for granted or you would take for granted that we don't have to, to worry about when we go to work the next day. Because A, we know that night we're gonna have a home and the night before we probably had a decent sleep, a meal, if you're not sick or anything. But that might not always be the case for some of the students. And then that sort of a lack of predictability, but also the being on the streets or living in a shelter. So like Tony lives in a shelter. You know, when they describe to you a shelter, it's not, it's not a safe haven at all. They describe it more like a prison. So you're always living in fear. People are stealing your goods. So like a lot of the students, they didn't have computers, but now we're in a, we work at the Street Sense office. So we have a, we work at their lab and we use Google Drive. So everything's safe. But before we were writing things down, I was typing them, but you would lose that work because things got stolen, things got lost. Um, you know, one of our students got beaten up uh, on the streets. So you dealt with all this, all of these uh, complexities that you wouldn't have to otherwise. So we want to be able to create a model uh, where people can be professionals in that type of environment. Because right now, if you go to, you know, an online course or university or some of these other, like these other digital marketing certification programs, you know, the assumption it's made for people who have a stable life in the sense that they have, they're housed. So we wanted to actually create a model for people who are not housed, who are not in stable situations, but still allow them to participate in the economic model that we live in or in the economic world and be part of a professional class and not just be relegated to being homeless. So that's, that's the challenge and that's sort of what we want to do, but it requires a lot of, you know, creativity, patience, thinking of like, you know, how do we solve these different problems? When I just think of like the society around me, I see that like, you know, people are like, oh, the economy is going to shift. There's going to be new jobs. We're going to create many jobs. But the people who take those jobs are people like, let's say you and myself, like I studied accounting. I don't know what you studied before, but you've English, English. So you studied English. I studied accounting. None of us studied anything digital, but we're the ones that actually took these new digital jobs because we already had the, you know, we had a degree. We had the stability to a learn new skills and adapt quickly. So these new jobs are being created. They're going to be, they're created for the people who are already employed, who are already part of the professional class. And the people who are, who are not part of that class of, of professionals, they're just going to get further and further relegated away. So to me, that's like, just, just it's dangerous. And it, and it just, I guess it bothered me to the point where I felt like something needed to happen or change. So that's like, where like the big picture of why this, this is happening. And then sort of tying it back to my work with the UN. So a lot of like humanitarian and development work when I was there, I saw the trend like moving away from giving people food to giving people money. And that's controversial, but that's the trend and that's where it's going to go in the future. And that was basically you let people make decisions for themselves. You have to trust people, but also this allows them to build their own local economies and allows them to create something out of it. Um, and that's where like, I guess the development world is shifting and that sort of influenced my approach with this project. 
especially for the homelessness. It's like to besides, you know, giving them, let's say, food or shelter, or, um, but giving them money and skills so they can a make more out of it. So one thing you asked me about the arc of people, like the learning. So like Reggie, for instance, uh, he you know he started the class right after Ibn. And he now, if there's a new student, he'll be able to sort of facilitate some of the concepts to them. So that's like that, you know, to me, that's a big, big deal uh, that you have your students being able to teach new students. And that's a change that I've seen. What are you most proud of in regards to your work in this universe of, of not just street sense, but just humanitarian work? Three moments come to mind. So one is we did a project for this health clinic in L.A. And the project manager there, you know, when I told them when we submitted the work, I asked him for like feedback. And he was, you know, he was like, yeah, it's great. It's fine. You know, I was like, oh, do you know, like, it's part of the Street Sense project? And he's like, I don't know what that is. I explained it to him earlier, but he forgot. So I re-explained it to him. He's like, oh, I had no idea this was written by people who are formerly homeless. So to me, that was like really good because I felt like, okay, that's because the goal is to to compete on the market. It's not to be like, oh, give me work because I'm, it's not like a hand up. It's more like I have the, the skills to compete. So that affirmation from him felt really good. Uh, another moment was, so there's, there's like one moment we were writing a blog and it was about, should you use a bullet list or not? So it's very like, min, like it's not like a big deal. But what happened was the students themselves were arguing about it. And then they just Googled it and looked for, oh, should you use this in a blog or not? And then they had like this own debate themselves without me really doing anything. So to me, that was like a good turning point because to me that showed that they had ownership over what they were doing and they had a good enough understanding where they can A, search they knew what to search and they were able to basically argue like I would at work about a concept. So that was like a really good moment. That made me feel really good. Progress is being made. Cause like I'm not a teacher. So my biggest like fear is that I'm wasting their time because there's an opportunity cost, right? So they they could either be here selling papers on the streets. Like six o'clock is still kind of a rush hour time where you're still gonna get people coming home from work uh, until I would say about seven. So, so there's like an opportunity cost and there's also hope that, oh, something's going to happen at the end. But what if it doesn't work out? Then, you know, did I fail them? And then that really, that fear really bums me out. <laughs> so when they're able to, like, make arguments about concepts on their own and then finish the work. Like, we did this one project over a weekend. So we met on Saturday and Sunday. And we just, like, we just, like, crammed it out. And, like, that was really, it was tiring. But it was just, like, it showed a commitment. And it just showed that, okay, we can really do things if we need to, like, right away. And, like, they... They understood it enough where we could, you know, we could bang out a project. That's rad. Yeah, it was cool. Okay, so you're you're a busy man. You've kind of answered this. You've got a full-time job, a wife, and now a newborn. Yeah. Why dedicate yourself to this work? Um, I don't know. <laughs> good, good answer. Yeah, good answer. Yeah, no, it's great. And then we'll just move on to the next one. Um, I mean, you sort of explained it in, in the Ibn story. There's a couple of reasons. One is like I get a lot out of this experience as well. So, you know, I'm just someone who's like a curious individual in general. And so being able to work with these people, learn from them, like Ken mentors me a lot, just like in life in general. So I get a lot out of that. And then like, you know, the students also keep you accountable and keep you honest. Um, so you sort of become like a family where you get to know each other's personal lives. They hold each other. You hold each other accountable. So that that's one thing that keeps me going is like, oh, it's just, it's fun. And it's. It's an experience where I wouldn't, I wouldn't have learned these things other way, in any other way. Like I couldn't get this from reading a book. And the second thing is the potential. So you see potential in something and you want to 
You want to see where it goes. You want to see where it leads you. Like, so we spent two hours a week. And I remember us talking to one of the volunteers, Samantha. And we had another volunteer, Vijay, who was really, really instrumental in the beginning that helped. I was talking to both of them and I was like, look, it took us like a month to do this thing. I forgot it was like one assignment. And they were like, well, technically we spent two hours a week. So it was like eight hours. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> so in eight hours, that's actually not bad. So that gives me hope as well that if we were able to um, maybe change the model a little bit, the structure, maybe get some more volunteers, get some more funding, we could train people for at least two hours a day every day or five hours a day every day. And I think that would have like exponential results. And my next question was going to be, which I've asked everybody, yeah. um, like what is your goal for the, for the class or your, your yeah. kind of grand vision? The, the grand vision is to get people employed one at a time, but then to scale that up. So that's what we're doing the certification and trying to get online contracts is so we can have more people in the class and to sort of expedite the process. So if we can get people coming four days a week, five days a week for five hours a day, I think that they'd be able to quickly get um, a certification, quickly get a new source of income. And if, you know, if they wish, they could continue to build skills and also become, you know, online marketers or use that skill to, to do something different. The five that are currently there, I'm just curious if you've seen, if you've witnessed a change in the people that are participating in the class that have been participating regularly. So I guess what I do see is that this is like a community. So having the class, you know, at, at the end of each class now, we give each other a group hug. Um, <laughs> so it's like... Uh, there's definitely like a sense of community and I, there's another extrinsic value that I haven't, I don't know, I've been able to capture or really understand, but it has on the class and the people there when I speak to them. Um, I think it gives people like hope that there's, there's opportunities there. So a lot of people, you know, won't invest in people who are homeless or if they do, they'll give them basic needs, but they're not trying to create models where they can be part of like the future generation workforce. So there are some programs on employment and those are awesome. Um, but there's, there isn't a program that's focusing, I guess, more on the digital space where all the job growth, where a lot of job growth is now and in the future. Um, and where basically a lot of the jobs are headed towards and that all these, uh, you know, millennials like myself are, are, are gravitating towards. And so this to me is like a way to do that for, for a population that is basically not considered employable. That was digital marketer and humanitarian Adam Motiwala. You can learn more about his workshop, Digital Hope, at streetsense.org under services, digital professional program. And to learn more about StreetSense, the nonprofit media center dedicated to creating economic opportunities for people experiencing homelessness, go to StreetSense.org. And to hear more sounds from the street, check out StreetSense.org backslash audio, or find us on SoundCloud, the podcast app Stitcher, and now iTunes. Please keep the conversation going on Facebook and Twitter at StreetSense DC. The Sounds from the Street theme song, I Need a Dollar, How to Make It in America, performed by Aloe Black from the album Good Things, used courtesy of Stone's Throw Records. The song was composed by Aloe Black with Leon Michaels, Nick Moshan, and Jeff Dynamite. Used by permission of songs of Cobalt Music Publishing, EMI Blackwood Music Incorporated, slash Sony ATV. And the following instrumentals by Poddington Bear used courtesy of Creative Commons. Special thanks to the Needle Drop Company at needledrop.co and the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. 
Memory Wind and Lull from Fathomless. Moving on up from Upbeat. Poor Wayfaring Stranger from Folkways. Dreamliner, Fragile, Don't Drop, and Love Sprouts from Tender. Giving Tree from Daydream. Lost and Found and Star Day from Bon Voyage. And Spring Comes Early from Springtime. In a word or a phrase, Street Sense is dot dot dot. In a word or a phrase? Yeah. So Street Sense is, and I say the word? Yeah. Um, so Street Sense is an opening. Mm. 